0: everyone, Welcome to Queerly Recommended, the podcast where we recommend queer films, books, TV shows, and more. I'm Chris Bright, a contemporary romance writer for Bold Storks Books,
1: and this week I'm recommending a film. And I'm Tara Scott, I review Sapphic fiction at the Lesbian Review and Smart Bitches, Trashy Books. This week I am recommending a two-part manga series. Uh, so, just want to start again by thanking the folks who support the show, whether through coffee, signing up for the newsletter, telling a friend which of course, if you are inclined to do anything, please tell a friend and perhaps consider rating or reviewing the show on a podcast app. You know, that really helps expand our reach. And this is a time where people are looking for queer stuff that's not going to bum them the fuck out as they're escaping (laughs) from the world. So yeah, we would appreciate that. This is probably going to be a shorter episode because we did not get any listener questions. And also our lives are just, Kind of steady, boring mm. in a good way. There's not a lot to talk about, I guess. Like I started my new job and um it's great. TLDR.
0: <laughs> like- right. Uh Molly has a loose tooth, and uh so I'm keeping an eye on that. That's pretty much the uh news in my world.
1: You better explain who Molly is for the people that don't know oh. you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How does anybody in this world not know Molly? My sweet little Westy puppy. She's not really a puppy, she's 16. And she's crippled and she's amazing and I love her. And she's getting older. So she's losing her teeth. I think she's maybe has maybe, I don't know, like six left. Did <laughs> and any so, of them mate? well, yes. So she has her, she lost one of her canines and she's getting mm-hmm. ready to lose another one. It's kind of loose and I've like felt it and she like pulls mm-hmm. away. She doesn't like me to touch her mouth. I mean, I get it. I don't like people to touch my mouth either. No. (laughs) Unless I give them full permission. So that's right. So she's, yeah, she's got one that just like wiggles and I'm just like, I just, there's a part of me that wants to just kind of yank it out, but then I don't want to Mm -hmm. pass out. So I just want to like wake up one day and like, oh, look, your tooth.
1: Are you just scanning the floor every day just to see if there's a tooth there?
0: Well, uh, since she's not mobile, I pretty much scan the areas where she's at. Oh, right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Way to go! I keep forgetting. Yeah. I like, can't move, Tara. Like I know this. Like I know this. <laughs> right. But even you were talking about somebody going for a walk, and you and I was like, "Well, why, why don't they take Molly with?" I was <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, "Oh, right. Molly can't yeah. walk."
0: <laughs> but she has a fantastic stroller. I mean, I have spent top of the line money for this stroller. It's amazing. It's it's actually it is a pet stroller, and it has oh, like okay. a apocalypse wheels i mean i'm getting ready so it yeah. has the huge fat like go anywhere over any sort of terrain tires and it has mm-hmm. a a hood a rain hood it's got the full thing that you can snap snap it shut you know those buckles things yeah uh, and then it's got like a like a vent a couple of vent areas where you know she can look out and so oh it's God. amazing but most and she can lay flat i mean it's so big that
1: she can lay flat so yeah like, well i just thought for people that might be new or maybe don't know you that well or don't follow and don't see the photos of molly it might be a good idea in case they thought yeah, sure that yeah. you were married to someone named molly and you're waiting <laughs> for her to come yeah i guess that does sound a
0: little weird you know it'd be different if it was like you know like rover or princess or something yeah like. a true dog name but no molly
1: no all right yeah. speaking of teeth this is gonna make way more sense in about 15 seconds chris what yes. have you been reading or watching lately <laughs>
0: Okay. I have been binge watching Sweet Tooth on Netflix and I want to know where has this show been my entire life? What is like, it? Where has it been? I don't even know how to explain it. Like when it first came out on Netflix, you know how, when you turn it on, it kind of gives you a snip, it automatically starts playing mm-hmm. like little snips of different things. And so this came on, I'm like, no way. I was like, absolutely is it, not. Is it a reality and so, show
1: or a scripted No, show? it's
0: it's like a it's a, a post apocalyptic type, you know, right at my alley, of course, mm-hmm. and so uh all of a sudden, like this massive virus hits earth, and at the same time, all these babies are born hybrids, and they're like part animal, part human okay. and so so this the the patient zero I guess is named Gus, and he's part deer, okay, and so it's kind of about these people like wanting to harvest these kids for their bone marrow uh, because it's supposed to find a cure for this sickness that has killed 98% of the population of Earth. And then so you have these people trying to capture these hybrid children and then you have these people trying to save them. So it's amazing. I just finished season two this morning. I
1: am not going to watch that. But perhaps... My sweet, sweet partner, Neil, who edits this podcast, will, because he likes apocalyptic shit when you're like, yeah, yeah. they want to harvest the bone marrow from these kids. I'm like, no, no, I'm good. No, no, no. And it's just like being forcibly
0: harvested. (laughs) I'm all right. So it's really sweet because this this kid, you know, patient zero Mm -hmm. um, doesn't know he's patient zero. This quote unquote, Papa, his dad has taken him away from the lab and has run far into Yellowstone and found a cabin and has lived there mm. for 10 years. So he has no concept of what's really going on. He just knows that if he goes outside the gate, it's bad. And if, mm. and if he ever encounters another human to hide. And so mm. he has all these rules. But his dad has taught him how to count, talk, you know, read, things like that. So he, he, he acts just like a 10-year-old kid. Does he look like a 10-year-old kid or does he look like a deer? He looks like a 10-year-old kid with deer ears and antlers and he has high sense of hearing and smell and so so there's like a porcupine there's a pig there's a uh these are like there's a groundhog named bobby it's just it's just so clever it's so cute yeah. but it's also like apocalyptic and sweet and i'm just like I'm man like where has this been
1: i fully support you on this journey <laughs> I, I know you do but you're like i'm out it's neil and, uh, like it, i so will not I'm watch excited. it yeah <laughs> i think he, i i legitimately I, I actually think he would like it uh <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. He can but yeah, tell me I later. when I first saw the clip, somebody told me to watch
0: it and I forgot, I don't know who it was. Like it was on the phone. I was actually mm-hmm. talking to somebody on the phone and they're mm-hmm. like, have you seen Sweet Tooth? And oh, never mind. So I'm like, what? what? So then of course I had to see it. And, but I do remember when it first came out on Netflix, I'm like, no way I'm out. Like, ew, yeah. no. So, but I changed my mind. It's really good. So I watched that oh. and then I finished up Euphoria Mm-hmm and like seasons one and two it's super queer show but it's super dark it's really uncomfortable but it's brilliant mm-hmm. it's not something i can recommend because it makes me so uncomfortable but it's super queer so if you, what
1: like what about now i haven't watched it because i've heard mostly that it will break my heart and it I think will especially i haven't uh, like my oldest kid is 11 and my right, youngest you is eight and it's like they're heading into yeah kind of the year's or ages covered by that. And I know they're going to, you know, I know my kids are going to have sex and they're probably going to try drugs and like all, all the normal stuff. shit yeah. that kids but you do, don't want but... to watch
0: it. Yeah. It's, no. it's hard because you see how, how one little thing can, can spiral out of control, can make mm-hmm. people spiral out of control. And when they will, when they spiral just the catastrophic events that happen because one person spiraled, yeah. it's amazing. I mean, I understand that this show wins like all the awards every year and rightfully so, but Mm -hmm. it's just so dark. It's so dark and drug use and like the queerness there's nobody, Gen Z, like nobody Mm -hmm. cares if you're queer or not, which I love. I love that aspect of it. I really do. And it's just, it's, it's just, it's heartbreaking. It really is. So as a parent, Mm -hmm. like don't watch this until your kids are gone. Yeah. Kids are like grown up, and they're out of the house. Yeah, so exactly. then watch this show. But and for people who don't have kids, if yeah, if you can handle it, watch it. I mean, the acting is brilliant. Uh, everything about it is amazing. But it's just it's so hard. This is such a hard show mm-hmm. to watch. It, it took me a long time to watch it. It's not something I can really binge. It's no. like two episodes, and I'm like, Fuck, I need a break. Yeah, I need a break, and I need to go watch something sweet like yeah. Bambi. Not even Bambi. Bambi was a bad example. Oh, uh, it's. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I needed a cartoon too. not like a little something. light yeah. mom getting shot. <laughs> I,
0: you know, big deal, whatever. Actually, it's funny because in Sweet Tooth, they call the kid Bambi. Oh, that is cute. So his his name is Gus, and it stands for like it stands for something. They just call him Gus, but it's like something, Mm -hmm. something species or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Uh, I actually think if, if forced to pick one, if it was like, all right, Terry, you got to watch sweet tooth or euphoria. You're going to watch sweet tooth. Yeah. That's the one Uh hundred percent. It's like, wow, that sounds lighthearted by comparison.
0: (laughs) Yeah. By comparison it is. So Uh yeah. Yeah. But killing children for, for like bone marrow is harsh, but it's, it's interesting because Like most of the people don't realize that these kids are human. Like they're just like, oh, they're just animals and wild and crazy. And it's just like typical, like hunting. Like they are part whatever. We can hunt them. And there's no ethical reason why they can't. Plus it could help the cure. Yeah, it's fucked. It's amazing what you can convince people to believe, as we know from America. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we see like how easy it is to manipulate people into believing what you want them to believe. Yeah, And so, and it's kind of interesting because the doctor who's helping this, his wife realizes that these kids are real kids. You know, they Good. talk, they have feelings, they can, you know, do things. And and then, so she's kind of, okay, what we're doing is wrong or what my husband's mm-hmm. doing is wrong. So there's like a whole ethical thing. So yes. So anyway, but it's still fun. Uh, there mm-hmm. are, There are a couple queer characters in it, but not enough to make it A a queer recommendation, but yeah, there are some characters. So, um, and then Survivor, because a Survivor and B, it's queer. There are so many queer characters on Survivor, it's amazing. Oh, really? Yeah. And they're like, I was thinking back, I was like, okay, let's go back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, well, at the beginning, it wasn't very queer, but like the first winner of the first season was queer. Was he? Yeah. Richard Hatch.
1: Yeah. That's the only season
0: I've ever watched. Yeah that like it has changed a lot since then they don't let their people starve now and they don't have it they do or they do or they they don't don't. they don't oh yeah you probably shouldn't i mean they they well i mean you can barter for things like okay i'll stay out of this challenge if you give me some rice Hmm. so um so it's not nearly as truly survivalist as it used to be
1: yeah it probably has like lower insurance and liability costs (laughs) Plus they don't do it as long. They only do it for like 30 days or 33 days. It used to be
0: like 47 or 46 or something like that. Yeah. So now it's, I think you can live without food for 30 days or some weird number. So they're assuming that no, if nobody eats anything, they'll still live by the end of the show.
1: Yeah. Well, what's the other survivalist show that you like where it's like alone? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So survive, like survivor is like baby alone right it's it's not even close to alone like it is yeah no
0: it's it's not it's yeah
1: not the same they don't
0: let yeah they don't let you really you're not out there using your own skill there isn't going to be a bear that comes and gets you
1: no that's
0: that's why a crab might pinch you or you might get bit by some sort of spider but i think for the most part it's pretty tame
1: yeah, because they have to film themselves for alone too don't they
0: yeah they just have cameras out and they have they have to they have like four cameras they set up and yeah it's really interesting Mm -hmm. i i don't know that i could do either first of all i'm too old to do either no bones like i wake up in the morning sore i can't imagine like having to do an obstacle course on survivor it's not happening
1: No, that's like, no, I need the bathroom fan turned on for the sound, but I also need a fan by my bed, but I also need (laughs) earplugs and like special pillows. and Right. Yes. Yes. I am too comfortable. I mean, when the apocalypse
0: comes, I I have everything to survive, but, but I don't know that I'm going to just because like my body's like, no,
1: I have always said that because people love to do the, how would you survive in a zombie apocalypse? It's like, I wouldn't, I would not, <laughs> I would know about goodbye. <laughs> <Here's> <laughs> like, me. I'm like, I'm the
0: person who would be so excited about it. And then like, I would die on day one, like some zombie would get me and I would be so mad.
1: Yeah. See, I would prefer to go out on my terms and not mm-hmm. a zombies. And that is still my plan. So right. yeah, it like, mm-mm. No, it, it it an apocalypse situation where it's like I can't, but I can't have my hug and pillow. <laughs> like it doesn't work. Come <laughs> back, yeah, no. But I think it's int- I think
0: that like, if you were really faced with the survival mode, like
1: how many people yeah, you we figure- do flip
0: into survival yeah. mode?
1: Yeah, we'd figure some we'd things think. out. I yeah, think my would. biggest problem would be, and I mean not just me, like a lot of people who live in in urban settings is just like knowing how to be self-sufficient right. how do i acquire food how right. do i or how do i grow food how do i you know all of mm-hmm. those things um so you yeah I, you'd have to leave the cities you'd
0: have to find some other place to live with people that know what they're doing and find ways to contribute right. <laughs> exactly so, it I think yeah, it's a bad idea overall. I don't really want a zombie apocalypse, but if we do have it, I'm going to sort of be ready, but at the same time, I need to get the hell out of here. The good I news was- is, like Kansas, Kansas there's nothing in Kansas. I could probably go somewhere in Kansas and never be found again.
1: Oh yeah, I could go somewhere in Alberta, but then I'd freeze to death in the winter. <laughs> yeah, that would suck. That would would not be my favorite. (laughs) I have a friend who has land in Vermont and I think that might actually just be his plan. There's like a generator there and I don't know what he and his family are going to put on it, but.
0: My sister has 27 acres, just about Mm -hmm. three hours, um, still in Missouri, but down South and they're pretty self-sufficient out there. So I think probably that would be where I would go. And he, her boyfriend, fiance, whatever, he has Mm -hmm. a ton of guns
1: tons oh, there you of go.
0: guns yeah she be covered I think so
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: mm-hmm. so anyway what about
1: you what are you reading or watching or <laughs> Chris there's no drag race right now what there's no drag race right now mm-hmm. and I think it's a little rude and a little unfair that they decided to just like space it out between so season 15 is over we talked about that last time But they did announce the cast of All-Stars, RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars Season 8. And get this. Remember how last week I recommended Workhorse Queen? Yes. Mrs. Kasha Davis is on Season 8 of All-Stars. Wow. I know. The timing is perfect. But also, congratulations to Mrs. Kasha Davis. That's amazing. I'm so excited to see her back on. Darian Lake is going to be on it as well. And they actually perform together all the time in Rochester because we were talking about how like oh, Rochester right. mm-hmm. has a weirdly great sorry not weirdly but like you wouldn't expect Rochester to have right. the drag scene that it has so having two of the queens coming from there is pretty great it's an interesting mixed bag of queens but i think it's going to be fun and i think there's going to be a lot of drama i don't know about anybody else but i'm very curious to see how Candy Muse and Mrs. Kasha Davis will interact because they are such wildly different people mm. like the kind of people that when you just say, oh, when they get in a space, I think there's going to be some confrontation. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm waiting for it. So none of that. But uh, we finished The Mandalorian. Oh, you're ahead of me. I hear you're not quite done. I only have one more episode left and I forgot about it. I forget about it all the time. It's a great episode. So... <sighs> I got to the end of the episode and then I realized that I watched this whole season with the completely wrong perception of what was going on, <laughs> unfortunately, because uh, Neil told me that he had been reading stuff. Um, some of the impressions from some reviewers was that it's almost like it's setting up a whole bunch of other series, mm-hmm. which is like kind of true because we know like some of the people from Ahsoka are in it. We know some of the people from Oh, that guy, he was the dad in Kim's Convenience, how he's getting like that patrol out in the This is the this is the problem. I like all the Star Wars stuff and I can't remember the names of anything. But anyway. <laughs> they're I'm getting the same movie. way too. Yeah. <laughs> right? So what I didn't realize, so I just thought it was like, well, you know, when that guy got his brain fried out in episode oh. five, three i thought he was going to be in it a lot more and i thought katie o'brien was going to be in a lot more she was that like super hot woman who fried his brain and that's because i forgot how imdb worked and also the way my brain works is i don't retain a lot of information from tv shows that i watched three years ago and <laughs> right? so i forgot that they it's were new. previously on the show because i'm like who the fuck are these guys next? what are we <laughs> doing here and then i was like oh okay, so one of them's going to be in eight episodes and the other one's going to be in six episodes. And it's like, no, because they've both been on the show previously. Uh, Yeah, He is going to be in one episode and she is going to be in, I think it's two episodes or something like that. Like they're not on very much. So Mm -hmm. I didn't realize this season, the whole point of the arc is that the Mandalorians, like as a group are going to try to retake their home world mm-hmm. which in retrospect was really stupid on my part <laughs> uh and I felt a little bit dumb but then I was like oh yeah okay I well uh, they kind of
0: said that throughout this sort of drop little things sort I
1: of. watched a lot of this mm-hmm. not sober We'll Got gotcha. it. <laughs> and sometimes the cannabis lets details through, and sometimes it's not. And I'm going to say it did not. So this is me putting my hand up and saying I was an idiot, but I quite enjoyed it. I okay, good. I have a fondness for the Mandalorians, and I was pretty excited to see them actually go to Mandalore and see what it's like and and what's going on there. Have you seen Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania?
0: No, I want to see it though. Is it good? Is it, do you need a brain? I don't think you need a
1: brain. (laughs) It looks like it in the trailer. It's like really intense. So we had fun with it and it's very watchable, Mm -hmm. but I think it's kind of tonally incoherent. Okay. And so for most of it, it's like, no, we are a very serious space fantasy movie. And then like this joke gets busted out of nowhere. And it's like, we laughed, like it was funny, but it was like, wait, did this, wait, what kind of movie is this? What's happening? Mm. And also I don't even know why they have the wasp in the title. Like she's in it. I'm not saying that Evangeline Lily is not in it, but like, I feel like she is in it for the absolute bare minimum they could possibly do oh. and still have her in the title and still have her as kind of a part of the plot. And I don't know if it's because she tanked her own brand by being such an outspoken anti-vaxxer, but it was, and also she gives this like big matronly energy to where I was very confused about this family unit where it's like her and her parents and Scott and his daughter. And I was like, What's that about? Why are they all a family unit? And then at the end <laughs> when they do this like I love you, I love you. I was like, "Oh shit, are they together?" Like I had forgotten that they were even together because they <laughs> there are no there's no chemistry, there are no romantic vibes. Uh, she's just barely there. Like it was so strange. So it's I would say if you if there is a way for you to watch it without paying money, I would do that, but I would not Is I it on like pay. Disney? Is it on Disney or what is it on? Do you know, I think so. Okay, yeah, I think I so. Or that. it's on That's... it's on video on demand. Uh, I think so. Oh, yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, wait, so. wait for it to hit Disney. It's not like a you absolutely must pass on it, but it's more like expect it to be kind of stupid, and and some parts are like fun stupid, and some parts are just I was laughing because it was stupid stupid. Okay. Oh. Like, <laughs> That Mm. is, that is a good one to not watch fully sober. If you are inclined to grab a beverage or grab a, I mean, if you're sober, it's fine. I mean, sober life is like, I get it. I fully respect it. Uh, but I'm saying you, Chris, who I know are not fully (laughs) sober. You might perhaps. (laughs) imbibe. yeah, grab something. And then the other one. So I am still continuing on my journey of watching films that were made in India. I watched one that pissed me off and stressed Ooh. me out. And I'm not going to name it because it is quite well loved. And that's okay that other people love it. I have my reasons for hating it, but I wanted something really, really lighthearted. And so a friend recommended Humtum to me. And I think it's one of the best rom coms <gasps> I've ever seen. Wow. It is a nearly pitch-perfect enemies-to-lovers romance. Mm. And if it were queer, I would recommend it. And it's not. But so if you're inclined to watch Bollywood films that are not queer, and there's not, like, there's many of them that are, (laughs) this is a (laughs) really, really great one because it's about this couple, uh, Karen and Rhea. And Karen is, like, a real douchebag at the beginning. Like, a real, like, he's a player. He's irresponsible he thinks everybody, but but you know, like the kind of irresponsible player type dude who would read, would have read the game. This came out, I think in like 2004. So I was, I was watching the way he was treating her first. I was like, Oh my God, this dude totally read the game. Like what a bag. (laughs) (laughs) But the idea is that these two people keep running into each other. So the first time they meet, it's on a plane because they're both going to New York city to study. And then they like meet again I think a year or two later in New York City and then they meet again a few years later and it's like as they go and yeah they met a few years later because his mom was planning her wedding Uh, because his mom is like Hmm. she does big wedding planning. It's just this really cool idea of this series of continuing to collide. And over time, it goes from, she hates him. And like, rightfully so. I hate him in the first (laughs) kind of few scenes. But then he grows and evolves and he grows up. And she goes kind of through her own life circumstances and she's not married anymore. And she sees the way he's grown and they kind of fall for each other. But he has this, he doesn't realize how much he's evolved. But he wants someone good for her and he wants her to be happy and he doesn't think it's him. And it's just it's perfect Aww. and it made me feel feelings and I loved them. And it's gonna be a perfect movie for when I'm sick and just want to watch something lovely that I really loved before. Um, I loved it so much. It's so good. Nice. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, Chris, what is your official recommendation this week? So Uh,
0: My official recommendation is a movie from 2022 called Anything's Possible, and it's on Amazon Prime. And here's the blurb. Anything's Possible is a delightfully modern Gen Z coming-of-age story that follows Kelsa, a confident high school girl who is trans, as she navigates through senior year. When her classmate Call gets a crush on her, he musters up the courage to ask her out, despite the drama he knows it could cause. What transpires is a romance that showcases the joy, tenderness, and pain of young love.
1: Hmm. Aww.
0: I know. And it's directed by Billy Porter. <gasps> I'm clapping on that one. Yes. Right. yes. I know. I you caught my gem. interest. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, this one's going to work. <laughs> yeah. So it's super cute and low angst. And Kelsa has decided to start her senior year. With the best positive, it's going to be the best year ever as it should be. And she just, she has, she has great friends and she has, just has a wonderful vibe and she's beautiful and confident and her mother is very supportive of her mm. And it's kind of cute because her mom's like a doctor and, uh, is really pushing her to get her college exam or her college essays done. Like everybody's parents are pushing their kids, yeah. you know, throughout this movie to get their college exams to, or I keep saying exams, but they're essays, essays, college essays. Ah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: anyway, uh, call is a quiet kid. He really likes Kelsa. They have art class together and they kind of pair up and, and have oh one of their God. first assignments is to have to draw one another or paint one another. It's just so cute. It's just so adorable. Yeah. And he's been thinking about her for a long time, you know, because they've been in school together like the whole time, but he's afraid that his friends and family won't accept him and I, 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 he, that he won't accept him for having a trans girlfriend. Like they, right. like they, he's just afraid like even his friend his best friend is just like a total asshole about queer people at Mm -hmm. all the time and his friend's always like oh that's so gay that's so gay he says things like that so yeah and and it never bothered Cal before like Mm -hmm. never never bothered him but on the flip side he also doesn't want to ruin their their friendship
1: Mm -hmm. you
0: know because Cal and uh, Kelsa have a really nice friendship and have over the years. Mm-hmm. So meanwhile, like Kelsa's and in, in, I think they're in the cafeteria and she has two best friends and she's like, Hey, like, who does everybody like? Cause we haven't really discussed who we like this year. And so one friend says a name, but then her friend M actually says calls name and that throws Kelsa for a loop. Cause she's like, Wait a minute, I think I kind of like him too, but she doesn't Aww. say anything. So then it's like a bad weird situation where Call knows that M likes him, but mm-hmm. he likes Kelsa, and he doesn't know cuz he's so quiet and shy, he doesn't know how to say it, how to actually approach her and and just like ask her out because yeah. also M always there and it's like a big big huge thing. So, um so- You can't yeah, you can't spoil. Sorry. Yeah, I know. I'm not gonna spoil. No, that was that. You would be so mad a Molly at yourself. Oh no. that's fine. So we
1: have to cast we have to cut, we only cut spoil <laughs> when there's dinosaurs. Yeah. no, nope,
0: We're good on that. Um, <laughs> okay, so finally mm-hmm. call decides to ask her out and forever yeah. friends. So that causes a lot of tension. But I mean that's how it is. That's how mm-hmm. you he had to. He had to do this to Get what he wanted. And same thing. He has the same concept. It's my senior year. I've got to make make this. Yeah, happen. now or never. It's now or never. So it's kind of cute. They they have this relationship, and it's real sweet to watch. And also understanding how Call handles this. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's worried about how his how his parents take it, and of course his best friend reacts exactly how he thinks he does. And the ending it's the right ending for this movie. It is absolutely the right ending. It's a realistic ending and it's good. It's a good ending. It sums it up well. And I liked, so, so Kelsa has this YouTube channel and I really like this whole concept and I actually, we'll get to that part, but she has this, this channel that helps other transitioning people Mm. understand things. And mm-hmm. it's hidden from everybody. Like nobody knows that she has this channel. Like her mom doesn't know, her friends don't know. She mm-hmm. just has it out there. And- But uh, everybody Call, knows
1: she's trans, right?
0: Right. Everybody knows okay. she's trans. There's no, there's absolutely no secret there, but she has this whole journey recorded. So Call finds it and he starts and he watches it and watches it. There's this one little clip, video clip um, mm-hmm. that he decides to share with everybody because she's like, you know, she had a really bad experience. Everybody just like went off on her. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to recommend that people don't transition during high school because it's really hard. And there's here all the reasons why. And so he shares that and it goes viral. And then Mm -hmm. everybody knows it it kind of has a, has a, a domino effect, you know, because then people are like, Hey, your mom is my doctor and all this stuff. And so like, it has this, this, this kind of a, uh, like a, not a really good
1: Mm -hmm.
0: effect. And it, it did exactly opposite of what she wanted it to. Anyway, long story short, she ends up uh, keeping it, keeping the, uh, the, the channel because she does know that it, that it's very helpful uh, for transitioning youth. And I think that everybody should watch this because it really is an incredible journey, and to see what actual people go through, especially in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know as adults we kind of know that high school sucked, but it's even different now because there's so many more. There's so many challenges that kids have now that we didn't have, you know, especially social mm-hmm. media. That is a big one, and yeah. um, so this is kind of good for uh, just to see a career journey and and see it play out. And uh, I recommend it for that. I will say that there were two things I didn't really like about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Eva Rain plays Kelsa and she's like 28 years old. So she is playing a 17 year old and that.
1: Yeah. It's a little hard.
0: That was a little hard. Absolutely beautiful person. A little hard to believe, especially the word choice. There was a lot of uh, dialogue that was more adult dialogue than it is,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, teenage dialogue. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm about chemistry. I love chemistry. Like that is my thing, especially on film. I need to believe it. And they had had the best friendship chemistry. I fucking believed it. It was great. But Mm -hmm. the romantic chemistry just wasn't there. It wasn't there. I wanted it to be there. Yeah, I really wanted it to be there. But they kind of kiss like they're 12 and they are having their first kiss ever. So it's very, you know, very simple, very you know, after three months of dating, your kissing should improve. Oh, (laughs) After six months of dating, your kissing should improve. And it really didn't. So that part was unbelievable. But I think the story itself was just so, it was so sweet. And it was also so real. And it brought Mm -hmm. a lot of things forward that I think a lot of people need to be aware of and need to learn from. So I recommend it for that reason too. So.
1: Is Billy Porter in it or did he just direct it?
0: i think he just directed it if he was in it i didn't Still even catch cool. it yeah super cool i mean because we loved like the cinderella story he did oh it was i forgot what that Billy was called Warner. yeah so it was it was uh it was, it was a really cute story it was a cute story yeah huh so, right. yeah. so that was my official recommendation what about you what is your official
1: recommendation okay My official recommendation is called, like I said, it's a two volume uh, manga series, especially like if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably more likely going to be reading things in English because the only way to get it in English is the two volume series. If you're able to read um, Japanese for manga, then you can get it. I think it's in four volumes, Um, but it's called My Brother's Husband by Gengoro Tagame. This guy, I had heard about him before. He is like a powerhouse of the gay manga scene. He's mm. done about 20 books over the last four decades. Most of them are erotic. His art frequently showcases kink, like the BDSM community, and kind of reminds me quite a bit. Not that like their styles aren't exactly the same, but have, do you remember? I think his name is Tom of Finland. He's the guy that does all the like, beefy biker dudes sometimes they're going down on each other like if you've seen if you've seen a tom of finland i have not i would know it then. i really hope that's actually his name yes that's his name because my brain kept going is his name tom of holland is like no dumbass that's <laughs> the actor tom holland who is not <laughs> at all this same person but anyway there's something about the two of them like when i see one of their uh, when i see art from one of them i think of the other one like that's just oh kind of because it's like men in the leather community often Mm -hmm. uh, comes up. But these books are not like that at all. My brother's husband won a few awards, um, including an Eisner Award for the best U.S. edition of international material from Asia. It's more of like a slice of life, really. And it takes place over the course of three weeks. It's mostly told from the perspective of Yaichi. He is a single dad in Tokyo. He has a business that really, it lets him stay at home and take care of his daughter, Kana. Kana, I'm having a hard time figuring out exactly how old she is. Like, she's in grade school for sure. But at some point, she and her friends all read Romeo and Juliet. So I'm like, oh, at what age do you understand Romeo and Juliet? I guess it depends on how precocious you are as a kid. (laughs) But when the story opens... A visitor arrives. His name's Mike Flanagan. He's from Canada. And Mike was married to Yaichi's twin brother Ryoji, and, who had passed away not too long prior. And so Kana didn't even know that she had an uncle. Mm. Like she didn't know that she didn't <laughs> know that Yaichi had a brother. She did, definitely didn't know it was a twin brother. She didn't know that this brother was married to another man. And the reason Mike is there is he wants to get to know Rioji's family and he wants to connect with the place where he was born and raised kind of as a part of his um, grieving process. So, I mean, just that right there, I will say it's a book where grief is one of the themes and I don't think it feels overly heavy, but like it adds this thread of poignancy that goes throughout the whole thing. It's just, it's a part of the mix. It's part of that bittersweetness. But because the whole story is told from Yaichi's perspective, we see him like a lot of it is kind of his journey with homophobia. And he's not he's not like the all gay people should die kind of homophobic. Mm. Thank goodness. But it's, you know, kind of more of that casual homophobia. I'm uncomfortable. I don't know what I'm mm. saying. I think I'm OK with gay people. But like my back gets up immediately like his we see him like his back gets up. Uh, when he sees the way Kana takes to Mike because Kana loves she fucking loves this like I have I have an uncle uncle. this is my uncle his name is Mike everybody meet my uncle Mike he was like so it's kind of great because we see in a way I think Yaichi is really intended and some of the other characters is intended to show this is kind of the state of homophobia in Japan hmm. and It's worth keeping in mind that when this was released, it was actually serialized. So it was released in chapters from 2014 to 2017. And actually it ended up being adapted into a live action TV show in 2018, which is kind of cool. I know I looked for it, but I don't think it's available in Canada because the site I used to look up where do we watch this thing didn't even Mm. have it in the catalog. So I was like, oh shit. Okay. (laughs) Well, I'll try to find another way to watch it. But so we have Yaichi on the one hand, who he's trying to be polite, but clearly there's this like just general casual homophobia that's holding him back. And Kana, like, yeah, she has questions and some of them are a little uncomfortable. Like she asks Mike, well, then in your marriage, who was the husband and who was the wife? And Mike said, it's not like that. I was Ryoji's husband and Ryoji was my husband. And she just kind of went, oh, okay. And then like, that was it. Like she just, that way that kids do, like you just have to tell them that it's real and that it's valid and that's fine. And it's in seeing these moments and we and we find out cause we're following Yaishi that like, he also had been wondering the same thing. Mm. And then seeing that response, like that response really resonates and it sticks with him. And he goes back to it and he's like, oh, I've been thinking about this all wrong and he has these moments where he's constantly being like his long-held beliefs are being challenged and he realizes oh this is dumb. And we do see him struggle with how does he introduce Mike to other people? Like he introduces oh. him as his brother's friend in one instance mm. and then he gets closer and isn't quite able to verbalize it, but it was to somebody who knew that his brother was gay and it ended up being fine to when he finally actually like stands up for Mike in a situation and Mike's not even there and he'll never know. But like, he just flat out says, no, that's my, that he is her uncle. And he is my brother-in-law, like get fucked. I mean, he doesn't say get fucked. There's no swearing in this book. It's very very gentle, but that is very much the vibe. And I just found the whole thing so beautiful. So like Mm. I said, it ran from 2014 to 2017 but I looked it up and same-sex marriage is still not legal or recognized Mm. in Japan. And so the sense I get is that things may have advanced a bit. And there's definitely like, there's a gay magazine there. I've recommended at least Mm. one before, but it's not as widely accepted as other places. And I think that's part of why Mike is from Canada because same-sex marriage was legal in Canada then. I don't think it was was it legal in the US in 2014? I'm trying to remember when it was passed.
0: Uh I two, and something happened in 2008 I'm not married, so I don't that know. That was Calif-
1: I think that was California. Was that California? Right? So all of
0: ugh. Google. One of two and fourteen. I don't know. Let's check.
1: Legalize. Man, I thought one of your friends would have gotten married right away that year.
0: <laughs> you would think. <laughs> i'm checking keep talking
1: so it was definitely legal in canada so i can see why they had mike be canadian because they basically talked about like the differences in the two cultures and it was almost like you can tell in Yaichi's perspective he almost couldn't it was like he didn't have a mental framework for marriage between two people of the same sex or gender. Like, I think that was quite confusing. And man, I felt like I went on a real journey reading this. I read the whole thing yesterday wow, and I cried. It was Aww. so good. Like, especially the last volume. Um, mm. Cause it really does do the, what, what makes a family Who is your family? Because there's also Yaichi's ex-wife is still, they still get along. Like they divorced for very good reasons. They had been fighting all the time before that. But, you know, they kind of said Kana is the most important to us. And so she is an active member of their family. She doesn't live in Tokyo. She lives a couple, like a few train stops away. But we see as she comes in and she meets Mike and she immediately accepts him. And it's this really um, lovely, beautiful thing. And I loved how patient Mike was. Because this guy showed up and, like, he's grieving. He's right. just been widowed, like, I think a month prior or something like that. And he, but he also understands part of why Ryoji had to move away was he needed to live in a place where it was just easier to be gay. Because he had come out to his brother and his brother didn't reject him, but like things changed right. after that. Like, the tone of their relationship changed. And so, Mike knew this and he wanted to really kind of bond with this family and he's so patient. And again, like, thank goodness for Kana. She's, I, I, I don't, I hesitate to call her a plot Moppet, which is, (laughs) it's actually a term from smart bitches, trashy books when there is a child in a book that's there purely to move the plot along. Cause I don't think that's the case. I do think Kana is her own character, but at the same time, Yaichi probably would never have accepted Mike so quickly into their family if she hadn't been there. So I think if people can handle, I mean, obviously content warning for homophobia, but literally the whole point of this story is, you know, getting up, yeah. It's kind of homophobic in Japan, and (laughs) it's pretty difficult to be a gay person living here. But guess what? We're real people with real feelings, and we deserve to have love and be parts of families too. And I think it is absolutely worthwhile reading. It's just so beautiful. So, yeah. So Oh, I I
0: was going to add that it was in 2015. Legalized oh. USA marriage, 2015.
1: So, yeah. So if if same-sex marriage wasn't legalized in the U.S. until 2015, then it wouldn't have made sense to have Mike be an American. So it absolutely made sense that he was Canadian. To be Canadian. That, right. Oh, there's this beautiful part towards the end where he shows Yaichi just photos of them and their that's life. Sweet. And it's so good because you see Yaichi say like, oh, I haven't seen this expression on his face before. Aww. And the part that's so sad is that the expression was joy. Like,
0: that's sweet. the
1: fact that it just, oh my God, the other thing that is so, oh. so, so fucking cute. And it comes up like fairly early. Is Mike hugs Kana and she's like, What are you doing? And he's like, I mean, this is a hug. That's what we do in Canada to show right affection. And and she was like, We don't do that here. And she just like loves it and kind of jumps on. And it's so great. And it comes up kind of like later as a thing too. So it's just like, man, you want to feel all the feels like as long as that's sweet. Like I said, as long as it's okay to have Grief, as kind of, I would say it's almost a part of like the set dressing. It's not a main theme, but it is the reason Mike arrived. It's, you know, they wouldn't be there getting to know each other as a result. And Mm -hmm. even, you know, Yaichi has to go through his own reckoning, realizing, oh, I wasn't there for my brother in the way I should have. I missed out on the last decade of his life. Mm -hmm. What do I do now? And it just, mm, it's so good. It's so good. I love it so much. I'm considering, we read library copies and I'm considering purchasing
0: Ah, my own copies. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like I just, I loved it that much. So that's it. Highly, highly recommend. That is all for this episode. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. If you've enjoyed and you haven't yet, please make sure you subscribe on your podcast app so you'll get a notification when we release an episode. Like we said earlier, if you have a friend that you think would like the show, please tell them about it. And if you're inclined to support us, we have links in our show notes to our coffee and our newsletter. Also, if you like the newsletter, can you just like reply to it and let us know what do you like about it? Are there any sections that are your favorite? Is there anything Hmm. that you would like to see added? Always up for uh, making adjustments because it's for all of you. All right. And if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites,
0: we have links in the show notes for that as well. Or you can just search for Queerly Recommended on Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, TikTok, and Twitter, or email us at podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. Goodbye, everyone.
1: Goodbye. And review and smart bitches, trashy books. And this week I am reading the, 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 wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't you.